0: Welcome to the Cairo London podcast. It's Craig McLean here, your host. And today I'm excited to bring you Dr. Sarah Burnett, an esteemed musculoskeletal radiologist. She has been working with us and reporting on all our digital x-rays since 2009. And she sits down and has a chat with me about all sorts of things, but including, uh, you know, if you're a patient or someone thinking about, do you need an x-ray or not? We go into depth as to um, who should be getting x-rays and who shouldn't. Also covering the risks and benefits. So some people are concerned about the radiation associated with x-rays. So we kind of cover that and reassure you that it's actually not that bad um dr sarah can be found on her twitter handle if you do want to get in touch and ask her a direct question she's um really quite giving in being able to communicate with anyone with any questions around radiology x-rays mri whatever and she'll be found at radio dr sarah or that's the twitter handle at radio dr sarah and um yeah send her a message um i'd also like to thank ground coffee society for the support again of our podcast i'll be sending dr sarah some coffee pods um, f- packed full of the ground coffee society coffee But anyway, sit back and relax and enjoy this edition. Uh, Chiropractors, towards the end, uh, we go into a bit more detail with regards to uh, the risks and benefits. So, you know, if you're worried about x-raying a patient and you are sort of wondering what is the actual protocol for justification of pressing that actual x-ray button, we go into some detail around that as well. So, uh, yeah, chiropractors um, head towards the second half of this pod. Uh, and if you do make it all the way to the end there's also a nice discussion around um, mri scanners Um, who should have an mri versus uh, a plain form x-ray uncover where you can get an mri scan both in the nhs and these private um, self-referral self-pay clinics but anyway loads covered about radiology i hope you enjoy this edition thanks dr sarah for coming on board Okay, welcome back to the Cairo London podcast everyone and this afternoon this glorious lovely sunny afternoon, spring is on its way, we have Dr Sarah Burnett with us, esteemed musculoskeletal radiologist, is that what we can call you Sarah?
1: I think that about sums it up, so for those people who don't know what a musculoskeletal radiologist is, um. I'm a doctor specializing in interpreting x-rays, CTs, MRI scans, anything that's to do with the bones and joints.
0: Brilliant. Now, we have just um, mentioned the fact that in 2009, Putney Chiropractic uh, went digital, and we got rid of all our films. And at that time, it was like uh, such a great thing to do because we could actually all of our films that we took could then just be transferred across to your good self and from that point onwards we're able to get like within 24 hours uh give or take a uh, a second set of eyes on these images and so we've been working together for is that 12 years
1: that is 12 years yes
0: amazing so thank you very much for your help over that time by the way
1: no it's a pleasure and effectively because two qualified people are looking at it it means that 100% of your work is audited. Yeah, absolutely. Which is nice and reassuring to know, isn't
0: it? So for those listening in, let me just give you a little bit of a breakdown as what I hope to cover today. Because um, even though this is the Cairo London podcast, I guess we do have two main sets of listeners. And there are those that are interested in chiropractic who may not be chiropractors. And they could be someone who's uh, you know, coming in maybe for the first time to a chiropractor, and maybe you've you know picked up on this podcast because you're like, I've always fancied an X-ray or an MRI or something of my back, and I'm not really sure whether that's a good idea or not. So we'll give you some information about that. Um, but also we have a ton of chiropractors around the globe who like to listen in and we'll get into you know some of the things around x-raying patients. Uh, is it a good idea? What are the risks versus the benefits of having a set of x-rays um, and evolve that onto other studies it CT or MRI as well? So um, hopefully, yeah, if, if uh, you, you'll get some great content if you fit into either of those two camps so um but yeah look let's go back to uh, do you want to give us a little bit of background about yourself um you've told us what you do but um where did you do it and, and um, what, what's your what's your day job effectively now
1: right so i qualified in medicine 1985 from westminster which has now been subsumed into imperial college uh, I then went on to train in radiology at Bart's and I became consultant at St. Mary's in 1993. Um, for a variety of reasons, not least of which being a single mum with two small children, I decided to leave the NHS back in 2001. So since then, I've been in full-time independent practice, although my single biggest client is actually reporting stuff for the NHS. Um, so my I, I decided to work from home exclusively as of the end of February last year, uh, not entirely a coincidence. So, my day job is now sitting in front of a dedicated computer, um, which is all my work space, um, and that's where I do all my reporting.
0: Yeah, right. And so, you cover like the NHS stuff you do, is that uh, that can be any form of imaging um, at all, but mainly musculoskeletal?
1: Mainly muscular, well, yes, exclusively musculoskeletal, yep. final, and um, a plain film of any variety.
0: Mm, brilliant. And yeah, picking up on that thing you said before, like the two sets of eyes, um, definitely. Is should be reassuring for anyone who's considering using the Cairo London group as a means to get some imaging. But um, I had that conversation. I met up with a radiographer the other day, and um, I introduced them to that sort of slightly strange concept of where a chiropractor fits into the radiology world, which is very unusual in the way that we we we, we wear the hat of the uh, clinician who has to justify whether or not the x-rays are worth taking or justified based on the examination that's been performed. We are then, especially in Putney, go next door to our x-ray facility and we are then put on our radiographer hat uh, and then we take the x-rays and then we have a third skill set based around being like a radiologist-type person who uh, can therefore analyze and assess the images for anything from primary bone bone tumors to um, uh, general wear and tear. Um, and so, even though we are not formally qualified in any of those um, actual professions, like we are not a radiographer, standalone radiographer, we're definitely not a radiologist. That's a totally different kettle of fish, as I'm sure you well, as you definitely know. But we sort of have that sort of strange um, three hat situation, Um, but which is also why there are limitations to our knowledge with regards to the radiology side of things, the reading of these x-rays, and that's why it's great to have your support in the background as well. Um, So let's go into, though, why, what do you reckon, you know, you're you're sort of a a person who's got some back pain and you're like, right, um, I want to go to the chiropractor, someone's told me it's a good idea to do that, and then it's like, what what in terms of can you maybe give us a little bit of an outline as to what you think are some of the really good things you can see on an x-ray or what is a good justification for actually having one in the first place?
1: Well, first of all, I would say that if you've got any patients who've got any sinister features to their back pain, so um, central back pain, um, worse at night, all of those sort of things, whilst a malignancy is an extremely rare finding. It is always important to exclude that, particularly in the population of uh, 50s and over in particular. Uh, the other thing is uh, to look for any uh, postural problems that could be related to the uh, to the cause of pain, either sort of primary scoliotic change or uh, muscle spasm with, with straightening of the spine. Uh, and then there is really and I guess this is kind of the the, the nuts and bolts of it, if you like, to see how much bony degenerative change there is. So um, are the discs wearing away? Um, Are there what are called osteophytes, so little bits of new bone forming? And that's particularly important because if those bone, uh, new little bits of bone, start to encroach on the nerves, then that can lead to what are called ridiculous symptoms, which most of the population would understand as sciatica. Hmm. So I think, you know, in lay terms, you'd use lumbago to describe your low back pain, although it has no strict medical translation. And then sciatica, if you've got pain going anywhere, down into the buttock, down the leg. Yeah. So the, the plain form can give you a heads up on whether that's there. And the other thing that we see in a significant proportion of the population, although it's not always symptomatic, is that some people have a congenital variant in the back that may cause to the discs to be a little, or to the vertebral bodies, I should say, to be a little unstable in relation to each other. And that's when you will hear the term either spondylolisthesis, if somebody wants to sound all fancy, or hopefully just slip, because I think that's, but that's not the same as the slipped disc, I should add. We'll come onto that in a bit. Mm. So if you have a slip in your back, you have a little, little step that you can feel, and quite often if the patient's slim enough and the clinician's good enough, you can actually feel
0: that step when you're examining them, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things when you look at the actual protocols recommended by a regulatory body, is that you, you're you're meant to be looking using your examination and the the experience of the clinician to actually uh, have an indication as to whether or not you are suspecting, for example, a spondylolisthesis at the in the lower yeah. spine or a slip or some sort of a sort of major alignment issue going on. Yeah. Um, Look, we'll we'll get into that as well, but I I think also just to if if you're afraid of this idea of radiation and too much radiation from X-rays, let's just approach that from the patient perspective um, and maybe put it into some sort of perspective to to other bits and pieces because I know. The guys that come and assess and make sure our radiation or the X-ray equipment is safe are these radiation inspectors um, who work for the government. Um, they have a very different take on sort of the risks and benefits of taking X-rays than maybe you know other other people within the profession, the healing professions, right? So, um, what would you say to someone who's a bit worried about having a dose of X-ray with regards to their health and well-being generally?
1: the first thing I would say is that, of course, the inspectors who come and check your machines are not clinicians. No. So they absolutely don't have a handle on whether there's any clinical purpose to having an X-ray or not. But I think a lot of the real horror stories that we hear about radiation damage applies really to the very early days when people were practicing repeatedly on themselves very, very high doses of radiation. And then obviously, unfortunately, the context of nuclear radiation With modern machines, modern digital machines in particular, you really, really reduce that risk of um, what, in fact, you're just reducing the dose of radiation that anybody uh, receives. So we all have a kind of background level um, that we get just from being out and about. And if you are uh, a long-haul pilot, you'll have a much higher level of background radiation just from being... um, in an aeroplane the whole time, because that's cosmic radiation. So the higher you go up, the increasing risk there is of just natural nature's background radiation, if you like. Mm. But now, maybe 30 years ago, I was told that having a mammogram, so an X-ray of the breast, or that both, with several views, had exactly the same lifetime risk as flying a mile in an aeroplane or smoking half a cigarette, and that's 30 years ago. Yeah. So maybe the risk these days is equivalent to walking past someone who's vaping a bit of nicotine, if that. (laughs) uh, Obviously, if you're pregnant, trying to get pregnant, and you're specifically avoiding radiation to um, the pelvic area, then that's a completely different matter. But assuming that everything else is equal, the risk is really not worth considering.
0: Yeah, and in this last twelve well, months, not... as, as as no one's been long haul traveling anyway, we've had a year off long haul travel, so we're kind of ahead of the game anyway, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's very true. But the other thing I was going to say was also that the people who come and check your machines not only can they make a can't make a clinical judgment, they're also checking to make sure that there's no way that your machine could accidentally kick out a higher
0: dose. Yeah. Yeah. So um, well, it's. Hopefully... it's it's a, it's worth saying as well that the you know when we first started working together 12 years ago um we have literally just yesterday upgraded the system in Putney to be what they call a dr system like a direct radiology system as opposed to a cr system so it's like a um That in itself is a more sensitive bit of kit as well. So it's like another step towards reducing the amount of uh, radiation and the quality of these plates uh, is definitely a step up in the right direction. So we've now got two of the clinics in the Cairo London group um, with this DR setup, And, yeah, some of these x-rays that are coming out are pretty mind-blowing compared to the old film version, which was, you know.
1: Absolutely. And, of course, there's so much, for want of a better term, photoshopping that you can do now so there's really no need to keep retaking yeah Uh, x-rays are the same bit because uh, technically it's called post-processing but you know for your patients it is just adjusting the exposure and the contrast
0: yeah um just following on on your list of reasons to get an x-ray too is that um, even though it's like well the main thing as well is that you've got to make sure that there is a patient consent for this whole thing if you actually walk into the building and um even if your clinician is recommending that you actually have an x-ray um you still have every right to decline that offer um to a degree i mean it depends on um exactly to to the, the number of things that you check off the list in terms of um yeah. you know yeah. reasons for it um like, if you do have these major sort of red flag issues, then you'd be silly not to take up the offer. Um, but, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it still requires an amount of patient consent as well, doesn't
1: it? Everything we do to patients requires patient consent. And if you kind of contextualise it, the fact there are people who are refusing to have vaccines out there at the moment, my 87-year-old mother included, eh? Hey, <laughs> <you know. laughs> You know, t- turning down an X-ray, small potatoes compared to that. And the other thing that I think it's worth saying is that you will still treat them even if they refuse the X-ray. So, you know, they, they, they shouldn't come in feeling that, oh, I've got to have an X-ray or I won't get Dr. Craig to treat me. Because mm. that's, that's just not the way we deal
0: with patients. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I don't know if I'll... Uh, the other thing, if... The 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 idea of seeing a chiropractor is that we are going to be imparting some sort of force into your spine. And there is, even though it's not a clinical justification for actually taking a set of x-rays, it's reassuring to know that you've actually just ticked all the boxes of knowing everything that's within that spine as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was someone who said to me once that you know the the chances of being harmed by actually having an x-ray taken um, compared to the chances of being harmed by there being an unknown within your spine, mm-hmm. um, it's it sort of as a no-brainer to a degree to sort of um the risks associated with having an x-ray um compared to the risks of of some sort of problem occurring through treatment, right?
1: Yeah, and that particularly applies to the elderly anyone who's got osteoporosis um, or significant comorbidities such as diabetes uh, and inflammatory conditions. So, you know, you have to be doubly careful. You're not going to make more mischief,
0: really, I think. Yeah. And then you you obviously mentioned the stage of degeneration is really useful to know as well. And that's one of the justifications for having an x-ray is the idea of how long is it going to take to fix this problem, right? And then if you have a fairly young spine for your age, there's a definite argument to say it's not going to be quite as a complicated process to Mm -hmm. unravel the problem that's in the spine. Whereas if you are a 38-year-old who has a serious set of like compressed discs in the lumbar spine it's a great way to sort of just help manage the expectation of that person yeah. with regards to how long it's going to take to get some sort of normal functionality back into that area of the spine
1: yeah and then it means you can then negotiate a realistic treatment program yeah for them so they don't feel they're coming back still sort of, you know unnecessarily frequently or for too long
0: yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah And then, you know, goes the other thing I was going to mention about that is it's a classic one is hips as well. Um, Quite often we'll get um, back pain, pelvic pain, hip pain, and trying to work out what is the major component of those three. And a lot of people, hip problems are just kind of niggling away at them for ages. And it's a a good place to start is to, because you can get a really clear look at the actual hip socket um, as to whether or not at the age of 45 or so, plus you're heading down that path of like a a joint wearing out or Mm not um it's also a really good motivator to actually get into some rehab if you are starting to see clearly this hip wear happening
1: especially because most hip arthritis osteoarthritis degenerative type arthritis is actually genetically determined you know in the absence of um, previous trauma or childhood hip disease yeah so um also, you can kind of plot them, I guess, on a lifetime pathway of of how their hips are going to behave.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, I think we've... Have we covered enough bases with regards to the potential patient coming through the front door?
1: I think so. I think so. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Unless you just want to have a talk through what actually physically happens during an x-ray.
0: Well, uh, okay, let's do that because the... Um, obviously. We, um, you know, there's a little bit of paperwork to do with regards to actually getting your consent, uh, Consent, so that's something that um, you'll be asked to sign at the time of the request, um, and then we will have some paperwork to do to make sure that we justify it. So it's all, you know, within some guidelines we have of our regulatory body, it's all fairly well um the protocol is fairly clearly outlined and then you just you'll be taken into a room which is a lead-lined room and um you'll be asked to remove anything which is metallic not because it interferes with the x-rays just because you can see them all these artifacts on the x-rays if you remove or fail to remove the chain around the neck or the earring or that classic belly button piercing that you hasn't been out for like 10 years and you're like i can't take it out And so you can leave it in. We'll just see it, right? Um, uh, but then once um, once you, you, you're we take the X-rays in all of our clinics standing, so they are postural views. Um, that obviously shows things. I guess we didn't mention much about leg length discrepancy, but that's one of the main reasons why we take them standing up. So then we can see if you are slightly shorter or sort of twisted in one way, which gives the appearance of a of a short leg um and yeah you'll be offered a gown to wear and we'll take uh you need to have a series the plate we have is about half the size of your spine so to to actually have your whole spine on a set of x-rays you'll need to have a uh two views for the one from the top one from the bottom and then three views from the side and then that's a fairly standard um like spinal x-ray
1: it's also worth pointing out that if your GP sends you for an x-ray uh, at your local polyclinic or hospital, they will be done lying down. So you don't get the same quality of information out of that.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, things like the cervical, you know, like uh, this day and age of everyone working from home and then being glued to their telephones yes. and posture being affected, you um, it's nice to know what the cervical curve is doing because the old yeah, tech neck tech uh texting neck or whatever we are calling it now um in fact I coined the phrase posture pandemic by the way
1: <laughs> that's very good
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it was a funny little well, was a it was a reporter who was having a chat to me about working from home and it just rolled off the tongue and I'm like this is gold um
1: yeah. well I do see it a lot i mean uh, even on sort of all the NHS scans that I report every day are so many of them. It's been two things. It's either like back pain since working from home or put their knee out because of Joe Wicks is the other <laughs> thing. It's kind of like the, the complete opposite. It's the, the working out at home that's yeah. causing injuries.
0: Ah, it's uh, it's mad, you know. So uh, I think we're all looking forward to just returning to some sort of normality. I'm anyway, looking
1: forward to out the front door, frankly, at the moment.
0: So. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's good. Um, good extra tip there to sort of talk about the actual physicality of it um it doesn't take very long maybe i should say that as well especially this dr system the moment i press the button to take the x-ray uh it's up on the screen within two or three seconds um so then we can instantly see what it looks like um and even though you don't always get an instantaneous run through of the x-ray there's normally a process whereby we've will consider all your clinical evidence the x-ray evidence and then try and formulate a plan which is um, an evidence-based type of recommendation for how long we think it's going to take for things to change. Um, It'll also give us time to send you the x-rays so then uh, we've had a second set of eyes on them to make sure that uh, there's nothing else more sinister going on and yeah so sometimes it is a two-step process to be able to get uh, yourself checked over, x-rayed, reported on, and a plan of attack um, over a couple of visits. But it could be done over a sort of a couple of days, two or three days if, if it's an, a, an emergency. So, okay. So, look, I think we should move on to um, I knew we would just banter away about this because obviously if, <laughs> if, if you're doing this day in and day out, it's not as though it's hard to have a conversation about it's something flight. like this. <laughs> and the doorman hasn't been yet.
1: No, the doorman has not been yet. Oh, that doesn't sound that sounds very cryptic, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> Sarah's waiting for a package, but uh, you know, I can edit that out, <laughs> but I probably won't. <laughs> um, okay, let's. I am interested for let's let's turn more uh, professional in terms of um, talking about the risks and benefits. From we've obviously already touched on it, but. Um, You know, maybe I should even read this that I got from the GCC, which is uh, there was like an an FAQ section there about um, radiology and the risks and the benefits, right? So it's like, what is the clinical justification for radiography in clinical practice? And the answer to that question they have is in five parts. So the process for determining whether there is enough clinical reason to undertake a radiographic study on a patient can be simplified into the following five questions. One, is there a potential benefit of the x-ray outweigh the potential harm? Is there appropriate evidence to support taking an x-ray? Is a decision to take an x-ray, in this case, supported by my clinical experience? Four, what or will an x-ray significantly impact my management of the case? And five, once you've answered appropriately, the first four, does the patient give consent? So, um, I mean, what um, what else have you got to sort of say about that whole statement?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it's very similar to the guidelines that are produced by the General Medical Council and the Royal College of Radiologists as well. So, I mean, just going back, there's so little for potential harm these days. Uh, that's not to say that you go around x-raying everybody because it's not dangerous, Um it's it's got to inform your management i think that's probably the most important bit of this because there's no point in taking an x-ray if it's not going to have an effect on your decision making process um so i mean we, we've already discussed that you know if you've got a beautiful clean spine i think i saw a 75 year old of yours the other day who had a spine that looked damn sight better than mine does um i'm not 75 just <laughs> the record um then you know that's also that's really reassuring for the patient and as much as you can say well you know good news there's not a lot going on in your not so there's not a lot going on but there isn't much in the way of degenerative change in your back so I'm hoping we'll be able to sort this out fairly relatively quickly Mm. um so is there appropriate evidence to support taking an x-ray yes I mean you've got specific clinical questions then Yes, you need an answer to those questions. Clinical experience. Uh, how long now have you been doing this job, Greg?
0: 25-year anniversary last year.
1: <laughs> well, there you are. So you know how 25 years of looking at x-rays of your patients um, has just informed your daily practice almost. And Also, once you've had an x-ray, it doesn't mean you're going to have to keep having them like every six months to see what's happening. Hmm. Um, so it's it's there really for your treatment strategy unless anything happens further down the line that might upset the apple cart like a, you know uh, an rta or some, sorry rtc was supposed to call them, road traffic collision and hmm. uh, uh, what's the last one? will the x ray significantly impact my management of this case well that's almost exactly the same as the question before and what i said in the first place and as we say importantly does the patient agree to have an x-ray. I actually, in my personal experience, far harder to deal with is the patient who comes in demanding an x-ray, and there's really no clinical reason to send yeah. them for an x-ray at all. And I did the years doing GP locums, and um, you know, people will come in and just ask for random x-rays sometimes, and you just like say no, and then they come back the next week. And sometimes. You just end up giving in, I'm afraid. Because clearly if they're coming back and asking for it and asking for it, they need reassuring. So you've got to treat the mind as well as treating the X-ray. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. But it, I think you've summed that up quite well in the fact that it's why there isn't a black and white set of rules around an X-ray, is there? It's not as though you have to fill all these criteria and then you get an X-ray. The, all the criteria, we have some criteria, but all of that criteria is based around can you uh or is it affecting your clinical decision making with regards to this particular person uh or you know the 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 treatment you are going to provide are you going to start doing something or stop doing something depending on what you actually see on the x-ray um and and that sort of stuff
1: there's there's another thing which is does the x-ray support what you think your clinical diagnosis is yeah because i think you see this quite often with um physiotherapists, they kind of treat the patient, treat the patient, treat the patient. Let's take shoulder pain as a classic, so rotator cuff problems. They don't actually get an imaging diagnosis for what's going on with that patient, and they keep treating them. And sometimes you, clinically, there may be some evidence of scoliosis, and then when you actually do the x-rays, there's nothing there. Or clinically, there might not be, but when you look at the films, there is something there. Mm. So sometimes it's just when you've been doing the job for as long as we have sometimes it's just a gut feeling it becomes so ingrained into your clinical practice that you know you just know whether an x-ray is going to be a benefit or not
0: yeah no it's uh it's really interesting where i like i had the um I, I also obviously you don't like x-ray many children um that's probably the other thing we probably should sort of talk about is that um there's probably only about a handful of people under the age of 16 i have ever x-rayed um, but yeah, sometimes there is that gut feeling, you know, um, and you know, without giving away too much information, um, you know, very young child who came in who had a very sore neck after falling on it. Um, I'm like, okay, you're going to be the first five year old I've ever x-rayed because something's not right here, yeah. um, and the, that gut feeling proved to be um, beneficial, you know. Um, so
1: not really a gut feeling though; it's 25 years clinical experience. Hmm you just get like synapse memory and you're just able to process those bits of clinical information and your examination almost unconsciously so you just know that you know you're going to it's going to help yeah or it's going to exclude something which is just as important
0: Mm. So, you know, in, in a way I'm afraid that the, you know, um, the General Chiropractic Council sort of sometimes does a little bit of a disservice to us in terms of um, sometimes those ex- um, clinicians who are less experienced than others um, almost not taking the action of x-raying someone that they're sort of sitting on the fence about for fear that they might get in trouble for doing it, you know. Um, yeah. And that's that's uh, it's a tough one, isn't it?
1: It is a tough one. And, you know, quite often the people at the top, I don't know what the uh, GCC is like, but certainly the, the Royal College of Radiologists, the people at the top, it's been so long since they've had any routine clinical practice. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they forget what it's like, but they certainly don't have that day-to-day handle on it yeah. in a way that we do.
0: They'd be less empathetic to that person who's weakly demanding that x-ray because it just doesn't fit any criteria that they have in front of them, don't they? Oh, but, exactly. um, yeah. Anyway.
1: I don't think I've ever heard of anybody being sued for doing an x-ray. And I do a lot of medico legal work. Hmm. So, so I can safely say over 30 years, no, I've never seen anybody sued because of doing a yeah. doing an x-ray. Mm. Lots of people sued for not doing.
0: It. That is a very interesting, <laughs> something, a big take-home message there. I think that's great, and but we should pick up on. I think people probably have been sued for taking too many X-rays over a period of time, though, right? Oh, that classic yeah, sure. thing of like, well, let's just re X-ray every three yeah. months and sort of see how you're doing, right? Um, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So that's really, talking heavy-duty X-raying like CT scans of the chest, abdomen, pelvis, as you say, at three months intervals. Now realistically most of those patients if they're getting three monthly scans they've probably got something pretty sinister going on that needs monitoring so again even if it's quite a lot of radiation it's still outweighing the uh the risks of not doing it for example let's say you're having treatment for cancer and they're checking to see how your the secondary is in your liver you're on chemo they're getting better are they getting worse if you don't do those scans you could find yourself with a patient that really is much sicker than they need to be. So um, before I, I don't want anybody to go away with the take-home message that x-rays are dangerous. Hmm. So um, take your doctor's advice. Um, you know, and there's loads of places that don't just Google it. That's the next thing to say. Professor Google is rarely right. But there are lots of patient forums where you can discuss these things.
0: Yeah.
1: Or ring a local friendly radio station. You probably get to talk to me about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, you're on the radio?
1: Um, not so much recently. Well, obviously, because everything's been subsumed by the pandemic. But, yeah, I used to be on LBC quite a lot and um, Radio London too. Oh,
0: nice. Um, yeah. Doing, like, medical Q&A? Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. Wow.
1: That's sort of with my ex-GP hat on.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we Something we said we were going to cover and we kind of have glanced over is this whole idea of an mri scan versus ct yeah. um let's go over that and i guess we can sort of wrap it up so if uh, if any patient has made it to the very end congratulations um to you for making it all this way
1: you be in the post <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah like what if you if you've had a set of x-rays and there's some other concern when is an mri appropriate
1: well so the Royal College of Radiologists says that an MRI is appropriate if there are what are called red flag signs. So they're the ones we talked about right at the beginning. Um, so, you know, if there's any if there's a history of malignancy, night pain is a particular worry. If you think that there's an inflammatory process, an inflammatory type of arthritis going on, but the big one and the sort of the, you know, the day-to-day one is for what are called ridiculous symptoms so this is if you've got pain going down your arm from your neck round your ribs from your thoracic spine or down your buttocks or legs to feet in the lumbar spine so those those are kind of going to be 90% maybe more of the referrals for mri yeah occasionally a- i might see something on an x-ray and um Sometimes i put in the report that I think the patient needs an MRI. More often than not, I'll just send an informal note along with the report. Hmm. Um,
0: so, uh, And in, in in that specific case, that's sort of more often, say, if there is that really funny-looking mottled appearance of a bone, right, and you're like, let's get deeper down information yeah, about that, right? Um, yeah,
1: we had one very recently, didn't we, where I yeah. thought that one of the vertebral bodies looked a bit uh, moth-eaten, which is actually a technical term, always makes my husband a <laughs> and um, it ter- it turned out to be nothing to worry about. It wasn't anything nasty, but there was a finding on the MRI that then explained the benign appearance, as it turned out to be, of the uh, of the plain X ray. So that's that's great because that's where you can really reassure the patient and say, okay, we saw something that looked a bit funny, but great news, it's not. Yeah. You basically, you know, you were born with that. Yeah. Maybe a quick word about congenital variants. Yeah. There are lots and lots and lots of different congenital variants um, which can happen in the spine. So sometimes extravertebral uh, extra bodies or vertebral bodies that aren't behaving like the bit of the spine they're supposed to belong to. Um, uh, sometimes there are little bony defects and sometimes there are things called hemangiomas, which is probably one of the more common congenital variants where The the bone basically just has a rather more stripy appearance than it would do otherwise. Um, And, you know, there's incidences of sort of 5% of one, 10% of another, whatever. Probably about at least 25% of us (coughs) will have some form of congenital variant in our spine. So it's just worth bearing in mind that it may it may throw up something that you need to explain to the patient a little further and reassure yeah. them that it's not clinically significant because they very rarely
0: are. Yeah. Okay, and then um, sort of lastly on the MRI, there was that question I had about the, because uh, quite often if you don't have private health cover and you don't want to wait three months for one through the NHS, um, there are these places that offer next day pay cash uh mris which sometimes yep. are about 250 pounds uh give or take and um have you got any comments about that are, are they cutting corners or are they is there anything that's sort of the quality is different than if you went to, or, or what what should we look out for in a, in an mri machine yeah
1: so without naming any names they tend to be very low field machines so what that means is that you get quite a grainy um Picture. so let's go back to our photography analogy so it's like like kind of 1940s style uh, mri scans Uh, so very grainy pictures that don't have a lot of contrast in them and they have a very high what's called signal to noise ratio no sorry a low signal to noise ratio so there's a lot of like background stuff going on Uh, like when your tv used to go on the fritz which fortunately doesn't happen anymore Uh, And they can be quite difficult to interpret. Now, for patients who can't afford it any other way, although in central London, most GPs can refer you for an MRI. It's just that everything's taking quite a long time at the moment. Um, Or who aren't covered by insurance, then, you know, if that's their only option, fine. But I have a little worries about some of these centres that are trying to sell themselves as being better for sports injuries. Um, and there's one culprit in particular. So quite often patients will look on the websites and go, oh, I'm going to go here because they say that they're really good for sports injuries. Um, so I think if you are planning on self-referring for an MRI, talk to your chiropractor about whether it's appropriate for self-referral or, you know, you could just save yourself 250 quid. Hmm. I've got masses of these coming through at the moment with really nothing on them. So, twenty-seven-year-old girls with a bit of backache, and again, it's a posture pandemic. But they're, you know, they're getting scans done, and uh, I'm using my normal template quite a lot these days. Yeah. So, you know, we're here to be t- spoken to. You know, ring the unit if you've got any questions. Speak to your chiropractor if you've got any questions, and then you're in a position really that you might say, "No, you're really not going to get." good enough resolution of this imaging at that particular clinic you've suggested you know sit it out test your GP everything is going to pick up again soon and it's better to get a test that actually tells you something than to shell out for a test that really isn't all that helpful
0: And so specifically, can you ask, um, you know, what MRI machine do you have? Is it sort of as simple as, like, say, the the CR technology versus the DR and X-ray, or um, Um, not that simple?
1: It's not quite that simple. So these are – so if if you – and it can be difficult to find this on clinic websites, but most MRIs these days are done at a minimum of what's called 1.5 Tesla, and that Tesla number uh, is – Basically, the strength of the magnet. So the stronger the magnet, the shorter your scan will be, the better quality of pictures you'll have. So if you see ones coming out at like 0.2 to 0.5 Tesla, you might have some queries about it. But the other thing it's worth saying is that, I mean, I know two units that use exactly the same equipment, and uh, one set of radiographers is really accomplished at optimising the quality of their imaging, whereas the other set aren't. And again, your your chiropractor will have personal knowledge, or be able to go to their radiologist and say, you know, my patient has decided that they want to go to clinic for a scan. What do you think? You know, do you know somewhere that charges the same but is actually better quality? Mm-hmm. Then there are one or two, very few in the country, highly specialised. Uh, MRI units that are low field but they're very expen- uh, experienced in producing the best quality images and they can do things like scan you sitting up because normally you're lying down when you go for an MRI mm. uh, they can scan you sitting up or they can scan you leaning forwards or bending sideways or whatever so yeah, if you're looking for really good functional information from an, an MRI then there are I mean I can think of about maybe four in the country, there must be more but yeah. like there's four that I regularly see work from, and it may be appropriate to refer yourself for one of those. And they don't tend to be at the expensive end of the spectrum, interestingly.
0: Mm. Yeah. No, it's like anything, isn't it? Like uh, there's a limit of technology, and there's a limit of skill of the person using the technology. Absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, when you're talking about multiple different MRI machines across the whole of the UK. It's such a nightmare to even work out who you're going to get at what time of the day as to whether they're hungry or not. Yeah,
1: I know. I mean, I report, well, God, I probably report scans from around 50 to 60 different units across the UK. So I've got a very good handle on on which ones I think are producing good work and which ones aren't. Mm.
0: All right, Sarah, thank you very much. Is there anything else that we should cover before we uh, ring off?
1: Well, I think it's just worth saying that if a patient ever has a specific query on an x-ray, then if they voice it to you, you can always come back to me and I can double check something or I can say whether I think it's clinically significant or not. You do give them a disc for the x-rays on, don't you?
0: Yeah, so we, uh, just as standard um, protocol now, all of our um, people- all of our patients get a summary of their case, uh including the x ray jpegs um and yeah, I mean, I guess it could even be just like a simple little query of like what is that dark patch there i'm a bit worried about yeah. that yeah. Um,
1: well, and, yeah. and hopefully
0: we can answer most of those, but yeah we we give them. Some of the highlights of or lowlights of their uh, images, and um, I guess if, yeah, this as you say, it's uh, you're better off asking because the anxiety associated with some uh, sort of this little thing you're worried about, and then you're like, <laughs> yeah. that is such a normal finding. Um, don't worry.
1: Well, what I get is um, I showed this to my vet. They <laughs> wondered what that was. <laughs> Are you mad? Well, I've got this friend who's a physio and they thought they saw something, you know, just like, oh, please, just ask me and I will put your mind at rest.
0: Well, I did consult Dr. Google the other day, and this is a good thing to finish on. Uh, I had to um, prove to a a young, like a little kid who came into the clinic that giraffes actually do have seven vertebrae in their neck. Um, (laughs) Only seven? Only seven, yeah, the same number as a human.
1: That was on QI recently. Well, a repeat of QI, obviously,
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I found the X-ray or like a skeleton of a giraffe and mm-hmm. um, we showed him that and he was satisfied but mind-blown from the whole thing.
1: Um. <laughs> yeah, people find it very difficult to get their heads around that. So for the record, all mammals, aside <laughs> of their tail, have exactly the same number of the vertebral bones as we do, give or take the congenital variations, of course, which tend to be lower in the animal
0: population. Mm, there you
1: go. Interesting fact for the day
0: fun facts and radiology well done if you've made it to the end uh you'll definitely get a coffee cup through the mail <laughs> uh, not that we have any coffee cups actually i should say that my sponsor has brought us uh you're getting a bag of coffee for doing this by the way
1: am i How lovely. yes
0: um the the, the ground Ooh, are you... my, my camera has gone but am i still here i can still hear you um i was going to show you a bag of the ground coffee society um coffee so um yes our um our local roaster how do you make your coffee is it like a cafeteria or plunger or have you got the pods
1: we have pods actually
0: do you have like those nespresso pods or different ones
1: we have nespresso pods
0: Good. I'm going to send you some of those because they they pack their own coffee into those. Do they? Mm-hmm.
1: So these are the guys over the road from you,
0: yeah? Yeah. Well, they they've kind of separated from that um, cafe, in fact, and now they okay. have um, uh, like a roasting business where they roast for a load of different people across the UK. Oh, fantastic. But, and they they do this mail order pod thing. Um, so for the coffee pod, for the they decided they better sponsor the podcast. So.
1: That's very clever. That is very clever. And I tell you, I'm going to hang on to these for myself because I don't know what the Nespresso my husband brought me up this morning was, but it was not very nice.
0: Mm, I'll get you some of that caveman, which is their espresso blend. So, yeah, that'll be good. Oh. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. No, thank you for asking me. And that was Dr. Sarah Burnett. Uh, remember, you can find her on Twitter, uh, on her handle at Radio, that's DR Sarah, radio DR Sarah, radio Dr. Sarah. Um, And just a quick summary uh, the Cairo London Group offers uh, X ray facilities in three of our five clinics, and that is the Q Richmond Clinic the Marlborough Clinic and the Putney Clinic. Um, The other two clinics do refer to um, your nearest location uh, with an x-ray if that's needed as well. So do get in touch if you feel like you want uh, an x-ray or want a slightly more in-depth investigation of what's actually going on um, within your spine. And as you can hear, we don't x-ray everyone who comes to see us, but um, it is a useful tool that chiropractors have used for decades. So Uh, Head over to the website uh, www.cairo.london and check us out. Thanks for joining me on this edition of the podcast. See you again soon.